Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you. And now let us begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to a brand new season of the Living Parables Podcast. I am so thrilled and so excited to be able to do season three, to be a part of it. And I'm just so honored to be preaching and teaching God's holy name. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, Nate, I thought you were going to take a little bit of a break, maybe one, two, three weeks. Last time you took a sabbatical, it was a long time. Well, I got news for you. I was feeling pretty ill towards the end of season two, and it hit us all hard. And now that we're feeling better and I'm feeling way better, it's all go. It's all gas, no breaks. There are no days off. I've said it before. I'll say it again. There are no days off in this battle that we fight in the spirit. And so I can't, I couldn't wait for season three. And I had some time to reflect and pray on things and just be in the word of God. And you know what? I just cannot resist being in the word. I love it so much. I want to be just fully in, all in, immersed in the word, saturated with the word. You could come up with any other type of sayings, but that's what I want to be. I, I cannot not be in the word. And so here we are, and it's super exciting. And I said this at the end of season two, the direction of season three is going to be a little different than previous seasons. We're going, we're going to keep it pretty close to the same, but in season three, I'd like to do something a little bit different. And, and some of you that have already heard this message, bear with me here. But in season three, I really want to really dig in deep and do the New Testament book studies. And so God willing soon, we are going to start in the book of Colossians. And in my time of the book of Colossians, it's just, it's been one of my go-tos and not just, not just Colossians, but I would say Philippians as well. But as we're talking about Colossians, there is such rich theology such deep spiritual truth that I cannot wait to, to share with you. And I just, and that's just all this is, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, it's just love for God and his word and his truth. The fact that I am his and he chose me out of this whole entire world. He chose me and I just cannot be more humbled and more grateful for that. So we're going to go all in. So today we are going to be talking about the sovereignty of God. And now I will tell you this, this is a subject that has really been hitting home to me as of late. We've had 
people near and dear to our hearts, specifically family and members of church who were hit really hard with COVID. And I will just tell you that when we were hit with sickness and it trickled down to my kids, and if you recall a previous episode, I was talking about one of the things that I struggle with is when my kids are sick. And so I had to really get a reality check when it came to the sovereignty of God. And so this time was was a difficult time, but it was a refining time. It was a time of spiritual growth, a further dependence on God, an increase in faith, and to know that He is good and He is sovereign over all things. So if you will turn with me, we're going to go ahead and start this out here. If you turn with me to Psalm 103, verse 19, this is what it says. Listen to these powerful words. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. My friends, that is an absolute statement. He is not a God who shares his glory with another. He doesn't share his sovereignty with anybody else. A lot of people will falsely think that some, for some reason that Satan reigns in hell and reigns on this earth and God reigns up in heaven, and that's just not true. God is sovereign over all. And the word sovereignty means royalty, royal power, and absolute. He reigns over every single thing, every aspect, every atom, every molecule, every little thing. And the biggest, we're talking about the mountains, the rivers, the seas, every single thing is under his divine sovereignty. And so today we're going to talk about five points regarding the sovereignty of God. Number one, God ordains rulers to fulfill his will. God ordains rulers to fulfill his will. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 4, verse 30 through 36. This is what it says. The king, talking about Nebuchadnezzar here, reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Do you see a problem right there? Are red flags going off in your head right now? They should be. He has taken the glory, the majesty, the power, and placed it upon himself, who is flawed, deeply flawed. Let's pick it up in verse 31. 
While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field, and you will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Okay, we're not at verse 36 yet, but I just want to pause there and just reflect on verse th verses 32 for a minute here. And not specifically in the beginning, but towards the end. Did you hear what God said? Until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. If you're a CEO, if you're a manager, if you're in someone that is in a position of authority, God puts you there for a reason. And not just for that reason, he ordained it. Our presidents, our Congress members, senators, governors, the list goes on and on and on. He has ordained them and put them in those places for his purposes. Now, some of those people, for reasons that I can't fathom because I am not God, because his ways are higher than my ways, but he put them there for a reason. And he is the one that says your sovereignty, your rule is removed. Now let's pick it up in verse 33. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. When God speaks, things happen. And he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Okay, now I want you to listen to this, verse 34. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but He does according to His will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Verse 36. At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and the nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I'm going to add verse 37 here. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven, 
for all his works are true and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Did you hear that? Are you hearing these words right now? If you walk in pride, he is going to humble you. Maybe it's sooner rather than later, or maybe it's later rather than sooner. I don't know. That's only for God to decide. But here's the situation here. Job 121, the Lord gives and the Lord has taken away. He gave, he ordained Nebuchadnezzar as king. And he took that, that blessing, that honor. And what happened in verse 30? His pride rose above the importance of God. He, he forgot that God is sovereign over all things. Because of that, God took his sovereignty away. Now, God reminded him and humbled him very great. I mean, think about, think about him as a king here. A king being, I mean, humbled so low that he was like a beast of the field, eating grass and, I mean, almost, again, becoming like a beast of the field. I mean, that's just, uh, if that doesn't humble you, nothing else will. And after, after the time that God has established that he was going to be humbled for, his reason returned to him. He realized that, you know what? God is sovereign. Everything is by him and for him and through him. Which actually leads us to point number two. Nothing happens without God say so. Number two, nothing happens without God say so. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. We think we have the answers. We think that we're so intelligent, that we're so mighty and holy. And, and that's one of the things that I feel that as this nation keeps going in a downward spiral is that I think that we feel and think that we're smarter than we actually are. And I think we're kind of, kind of turning into a Tower of Babel situation where we're going to try to build this tower that goes to heaven. And honestly, it says in scripture that righteousness exalts a nation. And we are in the exact opposite of that right now. If you listen to any commercial that's out there, just listen. I don't like commercials. No one does. When I was younger, you had to watch commercials. You couldn't, you couldn't skip it. You couldn't do anything else like that. You had to endure. And so with that being said, I challenge you to just, when you're watching a show, watching the game, I always pause the, the commercials by muting them, if you will. And so I challenge you to listen to them. Listen to what's out there. Listen to the words. Listen. Look at the imagery. There was a Apple commercial 
with young girls. I think we're talking about high schoolers here. Uh, they were showing cleavage, and it, it was just a really weird. I don't know. It's just it, I'm having the I'm having a hard time come up with the words for it, but it was just a bizarre. It was a bizarre thing. And it was like, what am I watching here? And it's like they were exploiting high schoolers and, you know, they're like singing this like kind of depressing song. I don't know. It was just really weird. And you listen to it and you, you see the imagery and, and what are we trying to sell? What, what are we selling here? The world has said that, well, sex sells. And I get that. But at what price? At what price? Men oogle and drool and and lust after women that they'll never have. And women dress in such a way that it leaves nothing to the imagination. Not that we should be doing that anyway. But I think you know what I'm getting at. And I'm getting a little off track of the sovereignty of God here. But all I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is that this world is spiraling out of control. But one thing that we cannot do as followers of Christ is we cannot for a minute think that God is not still sovereign over all things. And sometimes he puts people in place and rulers and authorities all that ultimately will fulfill his will. And sometimes his will means that bad things have to happen before the good things come. We have to remain faithful. We have to remain true. So as we're talking about the second point here, nothing happens without God say so. Let's look at Lamentations 3.37 through 40. I want you to listen to these words. Powerful stuff. It says, Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? I got the answer. No one. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill fall forth? Why should any living mortal or any man offer complaint in view of his sins? Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? Nothing happens unless God has commanded it. Nothing happens. And I want to you now to go to Psalm 24, starting in the first verse. And this scripture here is, I mean, again, powerful scriptures among powerful scriptures. Listen to this. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So I've had people in the past, they asked me, if God is good, how can he be good if he wipes out nations and causes the great floods to happen? And the answer is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. It's his. He created us. He didn't have to create you. He didn't have to create me. He doesn't owe me life. 
He doesn't owe me another heartbeat. He doesn't owe me a single breath. He doesn't owe any of us that. And that's the problem. A low view of God leads to a low-valued worship of God. It leads to a, a low, sanctified life. But a high view of God results in high worship and a high, holy life. And so, who do we think we are? Who do I think I am? God clearly says in the New Testament, you can't boast about tomorrow, I'm paraphrasing. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You need to say if the Lord permitting or Lord willing or God willing. So if you hear me or you see me out in the street or wherever it is you see me at, if I'm talking about future tense things, I always say God willing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen later today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if I get it tomorrow. I may not wake up. I am not in control. It says it clear as crystal right here in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Well, are we in the world? Yes. And those who dwell in it, that's us. That's us. So how are we to question God wiping out the world? Well, we can't. Because, again, we are his creation. But here's the other thing. Remember that verse I've used many, many times on this show? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. If we sin, we deserve death. God is justified and righteous. And if he were to call us at any point in time to be done, we're dead and we're going to be in his presence. He has that right to do so. He is justified because he is the one that creates all things. His laws are true and they're just and they're right. So when he wants us to call us home, you can kick and scream all you want, but you're not you're you're not gonna outmuscle God. You're not gonna outwit God. You can't talk God out of not taking you. That's it. He says, son, come home. It's time to come home. And that's, that's, that's the scary part of people without Christ. Do not go throughout your life without Christ in your life. Don't go to the grave Christless. Because you're not going to be in the presence of God for long. The presence of God is going to terrify you. It's going to cause you to bend the knee. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. You practice lawlessness and be cast into hell forever. That's what's going to happen if you don't accept Christ. If you don't put your trust and faith in him, you don't repent and fall upon his mercy and ask him, I mean, could you think about that for a minute? If you were standing in front of a king, not, not this stuff where we don't understand 
kingship in this country. But if you crossed a king, a king that you served on, on earth, and he wanted you go dead, I'll tell you what, it's going to happen. Now, think of this. How wonderful God is that we blaspheme his name, we reject his son who died on the cross for our sins, and some people blatantly are disrespectful and are just, I mean, blasphemous to the letter. And yet he still is gracious enough to allow those people to live. The question isn't why does a good good and righteous holy God uh, allow people to die? The real question is why does a righteous holy God allow people to live? That's the question. That's the real question. So that's how you counter that argument. Once again, I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's The question is not, why does a righteous, holy God, who is good, allow people to die? The real question is, why does a righteous, holy God that demands perfection allow people to live? That's true grace. That is love. But people still spit in his face and blaspheme him. and I mean, they slap him right in the face. And God is still patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's amazing stuff. That is love. That is grace. Now let's look at point number three. God's plan is unstoppable. God's plan is unstoppable. Let's look at Job 42.2. says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Did you catch that? I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Whatever his will is, it's going to happen. There is no stopping it. There's no changing it. And by the way, that's another study we're going to have to do at some point is the immutability of God. The immutability of God means he's he doesn't change. His plan doesn't change. His will doesn't change. You can't talk him out of it. You can't bribe him. What it is will be. Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Isaiah 46, 10, My purpose will be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. When God speaks, it happens. Whatever it is. When he speaks, his word does not come back void. I want to read Hebrews 6.17. I want to read Hebrews 6.17. Says, in the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Verse 19 also says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul 
a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay. He is unchangeable in his purpose. He cannot be stopped. He can't be changed. He is going to accomplish everything that he says. Now, as a quick little recap here, a couple things I want to talk about as we recap. Number one is that God ordains rulers to fulfill his will. Number two, nothing happens without God says so. Number three, we just talked about it. God's plan is unstoppable. And now we're going to look at number four. God is sovereign over our lives. Now it gets a little more personal. It gets a little more intimate. So I want you to turn with me to Romans, the eighth chapter. And Romans 8 is such a wonderful, powerful, encouraging, uplifting, spirit-filled chapter. But we're going to look at verse 28. It says, and this is a scripture you might have underlined. If you don't, I would underline if I were you. This is a foundational scripture. Listen to this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me tell you something, people. When it says God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, let me tell you something. Sometimes those things we're talking about can be trials, can be tribulations. I have to tell you a quick story. Get a little personal here, okay? So I was not feeling well, as you all know. And I do apologize because the recordings, as I listened back to them, were kind of obnoxious with all the sniffling and voices being all weird. And so I appreciate your patience. But as I was sick, I was starting to feel a little bit better. And remember I told you that I have a hard time when my kids are sick. Well, I was eating some food, set it off to the side. I thought not in reaching distance. And my two-year-old, to my horror, reaches over and grabs it without me knowing and takes a bite. And my second youngest son says, Dad, Dad, he's eating your food. And I said, what? I turned around and there he was doing it. And I felt sick to my stomach. I felt like I I completely let him down. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to get him sick. And this is awful and horrible. And I'm just, oh, how could I do that? Because a dad's, one of the main jobs and privileges of being a father is to protect your children and to protect, protect your family and it's almost like that that joke you had one job and so it was just uh, it was awful guys i'll just, i'll just be honest with you it was awful and i'm like oh my goodness why 
And I thought after the first day that it wasn't, maybe that wasn't going to happen. Maybe I was, I'm good. Then he started getting sick. And uh, I started inwardly kind of like freaking out a little bit. And temperature started to rise up a little bit. And, you know, it just was not acting like himself. He was laying on the couch all day and that's not him. And so I know, I know, I know this got a little, little personal here, but I was sitting there and I'm just, you know, check. I'm little, this is seriously how crazy I was being guys. Okay. Yeah. Don't no, no, this is a no judgment zone here, <laughs> but, but I was literally checking his temperature about every 10 minutes or so. It was ridiculous. And I was telling myself, I, I'm doing all this. I'm acting this way because I love my children and my family so much. And that's true. But what am I doing? What am I acting like? I was being a worry wart. I was worrying. Over what? A temperature that didn't go over 100 degrees? And you have people that are being rushed to the hospital and being told that your blood pressure is dropping significantly and you're going to die. I mean, and by the grace and power of God, that, that didn't happen to a friend of mine. But what, what am I doing? And so my dad gave me some fantastic advice. And it was said in such a way that I needed to hear it just like that. I, don't, I didn't need to be coddled. I didn't need to uh, it to be sugar-coated. Here's what he told me. Are you ready for this? He said, son, you have to put your faith where your mouth is. And there was silence on the phone for a little bit, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got it. I needed to hear that. He said, whatever God wills is going to happen. Worrying about it doesn't make things any better and it doesn't change anything. And he was telling, you know, he, he told me the things that I know, but I needed to be reminded, just like what Peter told us. I needed to understand that God is sovereign over all things. If he wants, now, I don't, well, I don't like talking about this because, and no one likes to talk about it. But if God wants one of my children to come home, as much as that would break my heart into a million pieces, there's nothing I can do to change that. And I know that he would be good in the midst of that. How can you say that, Nate? Because this is not, this is not, and I repeat, this is not our home. This is not our home. We're just passing by. Heaven is eternal. It's eternal life. And that's what makes the Bible and God, in a way, really terrifying because eternity is a long time. There's no, there's no mulligans. There's no do-overs. There's no try-agains. There's no second chances. If you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that he, and you know where I'm going with this, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, that he died upon a cross, that he was pulled off that cross and was buried in a tomb, that he rose triumphantly as the risen Savior three days later. 
and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And when you die, you are going to stand before him and God Almighty and the Holy Spirit, and the books are going to be open. Every deed, every thought, every every single secret thing that you think is concealed will be revealed, and you have to give an answer and account for everything you've ever done. And here's the kicker. You can't conceal things with God. He knows all. And he's going to demand absolute perfection from you. My dad and I are talking about this just recently. How can man stand right before God? Some of you, I'd be extremely proud of you right now if you said, ooh, 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 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, you'd be absolutely correct. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ makes us righteous. And here's the thing. If God were to call me home, I want to be a person who is first off doing the Lord's work, teaching and preaching the Word of God, teaching and preaching Christ to people, loving people as He loved us, being in prayer, being overflowing with thankfulness, possessing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, increasing in the qualities found in 2 Peter, the first chapter having always put on the full armor of God. That's what I want to be doing. And I I want to die victoriously and graciously and in power. That's how I want to go. I don't want to be going sniveling, crying, whining. I want to be somebody that, that people can look to as a source of strength and think that, you know what? My dad, my brother, my son, my friend never wavered. And he is in the presence of the Lord. That's the goal. I know this got this got real personal and got really real, but what did we just read in Romans? What did we just read? And we know that God causes all things. He causes it, people, to work together for good to those who love God. So guess what? That was a really hard time for me. I'm not going to lie. It was a humbling time for me. But guess what? I didn't give up. I didn't turn back. I didn't dive deep into sin. He refined me and strengthened me. And now, the next time that happens, I will not be shaken. I will not. Because it did happen again. And I didn't buckle this time. I didn't waver. And I was like, Lord, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to put my trust and faith in you. And I know that you love my family and that you're going to take care of us. And even if you have to take one of us home, I will praise you during that storm. And I don't, that's not lip service, people. That's I want to trust fully in Christ because he is good and he, he is in control of all things. So let's look now to 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9. I want you to hear these words. Now, I'm actually going to jump back to verse 8 here, because I don't like starting in a verse that just 
is in the middle of a sentence. So we're, we're going to jump back here in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. That's that's what I want. I, that's what I want. I want to be... I want to be living such a righteous, holy life that it it just makes unbelievers and sinful people react so that people will see that and they think, what, what is up with this guy? It's the power of God. Okay, here's verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. It's not our works but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. If he saved you, it is according to his own purpose and grace. That's wonderful stuff. Another really familiar verse found in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 29. Verse 11, and a lot of you know where I'm going with this right now, and you can probably quote it, and I'm super happy that you can. This is what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I'm not going to stop there because we dig deeper. Listen to verse 12. Then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. How gracious and wonderful is that? That the God who created all things is sovereign over all creation, the ruler of all things, and a God who is completely holy and righteous and just. He says, you will come pray to me, and I will listen to you. He listens to us if we're his. And listen to verse 13. This will blow you away. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We have to seek him with all of our hearts. Powerful, powerful stuff. I want you to listen now to Proverbs 16, starting in the ninth verse. The mind of man plans his way. Are you ready for this? But the Lord directs his steps. God is sovereign over our lives. That's point number four. Now we're going to look at number five. This is the last one. Our God reigns forever. Turn with me to Exodus 15, 18. says, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. I mean, it doesn't get any more crystal clear than that, doesn't it? He reigns forever. Not for a season, not like a earthly king who has an earthly reign in, you know, 30, 40 years or so. No, he reigns forever and ever. Everlasting. Listen to Revelation 19.6. Then I heard something like a voice 
of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. He reigns. And that's what we're going to be singing in heaven. Hallelujah. Our Lord reigns. Holy, holy, holy is his name. Now I want to go back here to Psalm. We're kind of going back and forth to Old and New Testament. It's really exciting stuff here. Psalm 47, starting in the 8th verse. Listen to this. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. I mean, it's really simple stuff, but we overcomplicate it. We make the mistake of simplifying God to the point where we want him as our buddy. And Jesus came to this earth to be the friend of sinners. And I'm not saying that we can't be God's friend. But something I learned from my father and I say to my kids, I said, I am your friend, but I'm your father first. And we need to recognize who we are and where we stand with God and who he is. He is highly exalted. He reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. God is unstoppable, unshakable, unchangeable. He doesn't share his sovereignty. He isn't unaware of things on this earth. Nothing takes him by surprise. He is not a God who seeks counsel from anything or anyone created on this earth. He is unchangeable in his purposes, and nothing will hinder his will from being accomplished. God holds everything in its place, in its perfect place that he established. His understanding and power are infinite. God is self-existent. He is life itself, and there is no one higher or no one greater than him. Everything that happens here on earth is according to his will for the sake of his own glory. I'm going to say that again. One more time. Everything that happens here on earth is according to his will for the sake of his own glory. God is in control of everything, every molecule from the smallest of atoms. We talked about this earlier to the stars in the universe. He holds them into place. He placed the sun perfectly at the perfect distance so that life on earth can happen. That's not an accident. That's not an accident. God formed the earth from the breath of his mouth. With a thought, he created a blade of grass, animals. And by just by his words, he can create life. God is so great, once again, that he made the clouds in the sky. And here's, here's something I always thought was really interesting about how amazing God is. Since the beginning of time, no blade of grass, no tree, no animal, 
No day has ever been the same. Isn't that amazing? God is omniscient, which means he has total knowledge of every single thing. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful and omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is here with us right now. We just can't see him. All of creation, except for mankind, submits to God and obeys him. Whatever happens in our lives is from God the Father, by his will, for his purposes, for his glory. And one of the greatest things that he has ever done is that he sent his son into this world. And he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I quoted this earlier. But God doesn't desire anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Heaven's gates are swinging wide open right now for the unbeliever. This opportunity of grace will not last forever. So if you have a heartbeat, if you have a breath, that is a gift from God because he is patient. He's patiently waiting, even though we live lives contrary to his will, to his laws, to his perfect ways. And yet he still gives us those opportunities. He is sovereign over all things. And I'm, you know, we started with this first and we're going to end with this first because it is so powerful. And if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, I would highly encourage you to do so. Go to Psalm 103:19. We're going to go back there. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. I mean, yes, amen, hallelujah. He is sovereign. And that's one lesson that I had to learn the hard way, my friends. And I'm sitting here to you today, and I'm sitting here teaching you, and, and not just teaching you, but in a way, I've already went through this lesson, and I went through it the hard way. And, you know, God is the God of the highest points in life, the mountains, if you will. But he's also God of the valley. And, yes, we need to praise him in the, in the good times. It's easy to do that, but, boy, in the hard times, yes, absolutely, we need to go to God. But here's the deal. We need to trust in him. And it's just like a relationship. You build that up over time. We have to be... In the word of God, we need to be devoted to prayer. We need to be gathering with the saints and we need to be obeying the will of God. God is sovereign over all things. And I'm so glad that he is. His ways are higher than my ways. And I am so glad for that. I wouldn't want to serve a God whose mind I could change who is peer pressured into changing his nature because they don't want to offend people. 
And some of the things that the people of the world try to argue and counter argue and they try to use persuasive speech and they try to make God seem like he's a, an evil God that's ready to just wipe out people. Understand this again. When Noah was building the ark for 120 years, those people that he wiped out had 120 years to repent and never did. It says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And yet, while Noah was preaching and teaching them and warning them, all they did is laugh and scoff and laugh and scoff and laugh and scoff until that first raindrop dropped. And you know what that signified? Divine judgment. It's too late. It's too late. Do not let this opportunity, if you are an unbeliever and you're listening to this message right now, do not let this moment pass you by. Do not let that raindrop drop without you being on the ark. Now, what's the ark? Christ. You need to be in Christ. If you're in him, you will be secure. You'll be saved. You have eternal you have eternal life, eternal salvation. But if you're outside of him, I just I I shudder at the thought. It terrifies me to think of and even my enemies. Even my enemies, I do not wish that upon them. I don't have a lot of enemies, but I have people that don't like me. But that's a different story. The story today is God is sovereign over all things. He ordains rulers to fulfill his will, number one. Nothing happens without a say-so, number two. God's plan is unstoppable, number three. God is sovereign over our lives, number four. And God reigns forever. So as we kick started off season three, I will just let you know that Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up because this world is getting bumpy. It's getting crazy. We're aspiring out of control. But God is still in control. Because this world may be spiraling into chaos because of sin. And that's what happens with sin. Sin steals, kills, and destroys because that's the enemy, Satan. That's what he does. And you're seeing it. It's all over the place. But God is sovereign over all things. And lastly, once again, I'm going to end it with this. Psalm 103.19 The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His sovereignty rules over all. Amen. Okay, now as we wrap up, I would still encourage you that if you have any prayer requests or stories or anything you'd like to share, we have a Facebook page called Living Parables. And we also have an email that you can send your request to at livingparablestruth at gmail.com. So I'd highly encourage you to do that. And I just say thank you for being with me after 
two seasons and starting the third. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to start the book of Colossians and I'm, I'm doing a, it's going pretty good. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm kind of like licking my chops, if you will. I'm just, I, I just love the word of God so much. And, uh, right now I just got done with Colossians three sixteen, which you heard me quote so many times here, but it was like, oh yeah, this is the one I've been quoting so many times. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And that's, uh, again, can't wait for you to hear that. So appreciate your time today. Thanks for giving me your time. With that being said, let's go ahead and pray. Father, for this day, we're grateful. We thank you, God, for all that you do for us. And Lord, we just come to you now just on both bended knees with face down and, and hands out and just worshiping you, Lord, because you are sovereign. You are king. You are master. You are savior and Lord of all. And the fact that that you have chosen us is such a privilege, such an honor, and such joy that this world has nothing for us. And so with everything that's going on in the world right now, I just want to say, God, that you are God and we are not. You are in control, and we trust in you in all that we say and do. I pray that you would bless season three, that the word of Christ would be able to go out to different people, different regions, that you would be glorified in all that we say and do. I thank you, God, for this time we've spent with one another in your word, learning about how you are sovereign over all things. You are so good, and you are so great and awesome, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.